You're listening to Arts Talk Radio, and I'm Michael Hasted. We bring you interviews as well as news relating to all aspects of the arts in Holland, which are either in English or where language is no problem. We concentrate on events in Amsterdam, The Hague, Rotterdam and the surrounding areas. Arts Talk Radio Online. Features on the arts in English. It's coming up to a year since the launch of Arts Talk Radio, so we thought it might be nice to look back and recall some of the highlights. We've made frequent visits to plays presented by Stett, the English Theatre in The Hague, and when I spoke to its director, Elske van Holk, in August, she told me how many shows they normally do. We do yearly uh, ten, around 10 to 12 shows, and um, uh, so it's virtually every month there is um, uh, a weekend filled with English-language theatre in The Hague, which makes it unique because it's nowhere else in in uh, in the Netherlands um, there is an organisation like Stet. There are a few companies that produce and they do really lovely work in English, but um, the the Stet programme is is absolutely unique in the sense that it's different and it's it's wide. It uh, really serves a community in the sense that we do um, uh, family shows up to uh, real political pieces and in between the more traditional Shakespeare's and, and the Dickens, you see. So it's, it's a very wide variety as well. Stet also has an important educational programme and runs workshops for both children and adults. I went along to one run by English clown and performance artist Lucy Hopkins and I started by talking to Dora of Stet who organised the event. I work in the education department. I am the education you are department. And this this um, workshop today come, comes, yes. up, comes under under your yes. your jurisdiction. Um, is this the first time you've done something like this? Um, no, uh, but this is the first time that we have done it for two days, so for a full weekend. We did a workshop with Lucy in October last year, uh, and that was three hours long, and we got such an enthusiastic. Um, um, feedback from the participants that we decided to do a full weekend one for adults. Because mm. you do a lot of stuff with children, don't you? Yes. Mainly with children. Yes, we do primary and secondary school and sometimes university. Uh, but then in schools um, with uh, with um, classes. So this is a total different ball game mm. to organize something for adults. Okay, thank you for that. I shall find Lucy and have a talk with Lucy. There she is. Hello. How are you? Very well. And Good you? to see you. Yes, very well, thanks. How are we going to... Shall we? Shall I... I was kind of waiting for the toilet. Oh. I think you want me for, like, two minutes, or shall we have a chat for, like, 20 minutes? Well... Well, I mean, because last time you were like, it's just a, just a few minutes, in which case we could do it right immediately. No, I mean, if you want to go to the loo, then I'm, I can wait. Oh, yeah, fine. OK, there's a queue, look. That's, this is what's Right, I'm now with Lucy Hopkins, Hello. who is the organiser, and well not the organiser, but you actually run the workshop. I do. And we haven't seen each other since you were here with Le Foulard, which was when? September, October last yep. year? October, I believe. Yeah. So t- tell me a bit about the, 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 the workshop here. What, what does it actually involve? Um, so, the workshop is called The Art of Being an Idiot. It's called Into the Unknown, actually. Um, the Art of Being an Idiot is uh, the, the, the umbrella that I work underneath, if you like. Um, it's about uh, being present 
and um, helping uh, people get feedback on what is happening when they're on the stage basically, in terms of their connection with the audience, in terms of um, their use of their body and their presence. There is also a professional English language theatre company in Amsterdam. But unlike Stet, the Queen's English Theatre Company produce their own plays, but they only do two or three a year. I spoke to QETC's director, Mark Winstanley, as they were about to reprise their very successful The Importance of Being Earnest at the CC Amstel Theatre in November. I started by asking Mark what made their production so different. I think the first thing to say is that we're setting it in 2018 and uh, two of the characters are main characters are originally Cecily and Gwendolyn and in our production they have become Cecil and Gabriel. So it's a it's an all male production. It's a pretty much all male production, but we've got a, a, a we've added some ensemble. There are seven main characters, but we've added an ensemble to it as well, which is a male female ensemble. But the main characters are, pl are played by men. So it would be fair to call it a gay production. I'd be being disingenuous if I didn't say it was quite a camp gay interpretation of, of Oscar Wilde. But then I would say, you know, if you look at the origins of the play. Um, if you look at, at uh, what made you know Oscar Wilde write a play about having people having double lives, dual lives and dual, dual personalities, uh, then I think there's a lot of that in the original play anyway. There are several other companies, mainly amateur, producing theatre in English, but there are virtually no plays presented in English in the Dutch mainstream theatre. I met with Mies van Tieligen of the Dutch National Theatre, who is very aware of the issues involved. We're very aware of this and we really are focusing in the, in the future to um, uh, be accessible for a wider and well, a broader audience. So we're like developing new programs and also uh, thinking about how we can be more accessible for like an international audience and also for uh, people who don't speak Dutch because like I think like 90 to 95% of the uh, the theatre shows that we present and also create are like very text-based. Mm -hmm. To be to be honest, we're like very aware that we that we're not like accessible to all of the Hague because we want to be a place where everyone in the Hague should come. Uh, so we're like uh, trying to develop new things and also like uh, work together with um, the KBK, the Royal Academy of the Art, to. Um, to uh, introduce the, the, the art students to what we're doing here and also like to um, invite them to programs that are like uh, language no problem.
was Magda Mendes, a Portuguese singer-songwriter who lives in the Netherlands. Her music is based on the traditional fado of her home country. And while everyone is familiar with flamenco, fewer people are aware of fado. So when I met up with Magda recently for a chat, I wanted to know a little bit more about it. It's a style uh, from Lisbon, born in Lisbon and performed essentially in Lisbon. In the meanwhile, uh, all over the country in Portugal, there's good fado happening. But it was born there in the small streets of Alfama and Moraria and Bairro Alto a long time ago. You, I mean, you write all your own songs. I write all my songs, yes. Yeah. Many of my songs are also not fado, traditional fado. No, no, because you sometimes work with a, with a band, don't you? Yes, with exactly. Musicians. So for the, for this project, I'm, I'm doing uh, with the guitar, with the Portuguese guitar and the viola, viola and guitarra portuguesa. And uh, with my other projects, uh, we also might sound a bit like fado, but we make, like I said, a bit more like Portuguese chamber music for the last uh, the, the last album I brought out. Because the lineup is is basically woodwind, isn't it? I mean, yes, in the last one, yeah. it's a percussion, uh, guitar, singing, and then uh, five woodwinds. I was talking to Portuguese singer-songwriter Magda Mendes with music from her current album, which is called Oliveiras. The Netherlands Dance Theatre is one of the leading contemporary dance companies in the world. I'm on my way to their headquarters in the centre of The Hague, where they are busy preparing their new season and where one of their dancers has promised to have a little chat. Hi, my name is Chuck Jones, and I'm a dancer with Netherlands Dance Theatre One here in Den Haag. I did detect an American accent. Yeah. <laughs> yes. well, that's the incredible thing about this company. I mean, how many Dutch people are in the company? Not many. Uh, we do have a few, but we're, we're basi- we are a company full of international people. So we have people from all over the world. So from the United States, from Denmark, from, from all over Europe, Asia as well as we have a uh, company member from South Africa. So we are a truly international company. The proportion of original works that the company does is quite high, isn't it? Yes, we actually we pride ourselves in something uh, as a company that is always creating work and we pride ourselves 
something that's in our DNA is something of creativity and creation and uh, this season that, that we're doing that as well. But there's a, you must have an incredible repertoire and the company's going yes, to Yes, as well. Years. Yes, exactly. I mean, next year will be our 60th uh, and jubilee, if you like oh. to call it like that. And we, we have an extensive um, repertory as well. So when not only do we have our programs within the Netherlands, uh, but we also each... Uh, international tour that we do and in each city is a different program as well so I would say as a dancer of NDT you not only are you doing creations but you also have I would say 10 to 15 existing work that you need to know basically at all times hard work isn't it? I mean, yeah, people, people it, think about being a dancer as romantic and everything else well, but it's it, really hard work it, isn't it? it's a lot of work and it's a lot of dedication and it takes a lot of discipline but um, and a relatively short and it's career. a relatively short career span as well. So, but it's it's something. I mean, I would say everyone here who is working at NDT. I don't think we could think of ourselves as doing something else right now with our no, lives. No, I mean it's a top company. You could yeah. Well, and also we're. I think we're all very much dedicated to our craft and the act, and actual the actual field of art and mm-hmm. dance as well. That was Chuck Jones, a dancer with the Netherlands Dance Theatre. Arts Talk frequently reviews shows at another important contemporary dance institution in The Hague, the Corso Theatre, which promotes and produces new work. One of the choreographers it works with is the Brazilian Samir Calixto, and when we met in his dressing room at the Corso back in February, I asked how long he'd been working in Holland. Well, I've been working here first as a, um, as a dancer for the last 14 years, but traveling around, having that gypsy life that we all have as dancers. So somehow, yeah, I've been based in Holland for, uh, since then, but really moving around and traveling around Europe. But as a choreographer, I've been connected to Corsa Theatre for the last eight years. Are you a resident choreographer, or what, what's the situation here? I'm one of the choreographers that's uh, fully supported up to now uh, for, from Corso. Uh, we do not have the concept of resident choreographers, but choreographers that actually are connected to the production house. And every case is a case. In my case, they really supported me from the very beginning. You must have been very young when you came, when you left Brazil. Well, thank you. Not that, <laughs> not that young. I'm 40 years old now. And, so uh, did you come here to study dance? No, I had finished my studies there in Brazil. I came and I immediately sort of uh, started uh, taking dance lessons here to get known in the circuit. And then I auditioned and started getting jobs after a year here. But I studied actually uh, theater and classical music in Brazil. So my background, I studied opera. So, so you sing as well? I used to, yeah. <laughs> I really used to. So therefore, uh, that's the reason why I, my works have a strong connection to music, because I cannot uh, approach a piece of music without looking at the structure, without looking at its background, uh, the context, and etc. The circumstances of another foreign dancer based in Amsterdam are quite different as our reporter Zoe Bose found out. I'm here in Amsterdam. I have been talking with Ahmed Jude. 
He is a Syrian dancer who has come to the Netherlands as a stateless refugee and he's impressed many, many uh, Europeans and much of Europe with, with his amazing dancing. So Ahmed, thank you for joining us on Arts Talk Radio today. I've already heard a little bit of your story, which is fascinating and wonderful. Can you just tell us how you actually came to be here in the Netherlands? Because I believe you were you were in a um, a refugee camp in Damascus, um, and you were dancing, but you weren't. Your future was very unsure. So, how did that all happen? Um, first of all, thank you for your interest in my story, mm. and thank you for helping me to separate it more and more. Mm. I used to live in the Yarmouk camp, which is a camp for Palestinian refugees in Damascus, Syria. And during the war, I lost my house and many things. So hope was always there. I was always dancing, trying to keep up with dancing and stuff. So I used to make uh, videos on the rooftop of the place that we rent after um, and posting it, just hoping something will be. And then a Dutch journalist, his name uh, Ruzbe Capoli, he saw those videos and he contacted me on Facebook and he said, I'm coming to have a, to make a documentary about you. And I was like, no, you don't want to come to Syria. <laughs> no, not for me. So, so yeah, um, yeah, we kept uh, communicating and then uh, once he called me, he said, I'm in Damascus, I want to meet you. Wow. Yeah. And this is how we met each other and sure. we worked uh, on the documentary. The Dutch love their festivals, especially music, and Delft has two of the best, the Chamber Music Festival, which takes place at the end of July, and the Jazz Festival, which takes place in August. I'm in Delft, and I'm with Bram Stoken, who is the supremo of Delft Jazz, and you're the organiser of the Delft Jazz Festival, is that right? That is uh, right, and I do it for the 14th year. Fantastic. Yeah. And this festival, the Jazz Festival, it takes place all around town in various venues, doesn't it? Yes, it takes uh, place on five squares. We are here at Beestermarkt, and that will be a Funk Fusion Square. Funk and I think the, the most important thing to say about the festival is that it's absolutely free. Yes, people can walk around, in and out, and uh, there's mostly out because it's on the squares. Thomas Olmans travels the world singing in the greatest opera houses and concert halls. He's currently back in his native Netherlands where he's director of this year's Delft Chamber Music Festival. Hello. Hi, good afternoon. <laughs> right, can we start off? Perhaps you could tell me a little bit about the festival. Well, it's a festival which obviously has been there for years and years already and has been always led by fantastic violinists, Isabel van Keulen, who founded it, and then Lisa Verstman. And she wanted one year of sabbatical and then asked uh, if I would be interested, the board asked. And so for me, it was a great chance to jump on this train or in this existing format and to have this wonderful Van der Mande Lazare and the wonderful locations here in Delft during 10 days in which I can just uh, enjoy myself basically in putting all my favorite chamber music pieces as much as I can and find a, a line in it obviously in the programming and invite a lot of inspiring musicians who I'd wanted to meet already for years. That was Dutch baritone Thomas Olimans talking about the Delft Chamber Music Festival. The Boymans van Wernigen Museum in Rotterdam is one of the most important museums in the Netherlands. 
so it was with great dismay and surprise that we learned it was to close for seven years for major refurbishment. I spoke to its director, Cheryl X, in March and asked what was going to be happening during that time. It was a surprise to us too, unfortunately. So we first talked to the municipality about three years of refurbishments and maybe one or two years for permission and for well, monuments men that could come in and look at the building because we would like to be very careful with the existing buildings. But suddenly um, they made a new kind of... Um, yeah, I mean, a new kind of decision which will close us for seven years, uh, three years for building, four years to talk to all people that will be uh, involved or will get involved in it. And I don't know what, all, what, what else we, ne- we need. So um, what's the reason it's closing? What do you need to do? Um, uh, the, the building is completely sick. Uh, so um, the maintenance um, has not been perfect um, uh, due to all kinds of reasons uh, that are too long to uh, to uh, to elaborate about. But we had some very very close by accidents, or there were moments in the um, in the year 17 and 18 that we had electricity problems. We have since long water problems. That's usual in the Netherlands, but especially for Rotterdam. The museum is still completely safe, but I did not feel comfortable anymore for the near future. So we decided that something had to be done. And the municipality, the city council decided that they will start with all the measure, measurements and all the things that are necessary this year. And they gave us a, a remarkable sum of 223.5 million euros to, uh, to improve the place and maybe do something new for the future too. There is also a thriving private gallery sector for contemporary art in the city, as I found out in September. I'm in Rotterdam for an exciting new weekend which is called Art Central and a group of 10 galleries have got together where they all open their doors at the same time so you can go on a, a little walk around the area. They're all within a sort of five, five ten minute radius and um, we'll have a look and see who's here. I'm Muriel, I'm from Contour Gallery. Uh, this is my second gallery. I used to have a gallery in The Hague for seven years. Uh-huh. And uh, now I started Contour uh, with photography and sculptures. Um, so that's in short what I do. And you're one of the instigators of this art central, I think. Yeah, that's correct. I thought uh, me being here new on the block for my second year, I thought it's good, you know, you see everybody doing their openings and why not create a moment you can do it all together so you get a lot more public people feel more uh, they feel more free to come because they don't have to go to one gallery only so they can walk around see 10 galleries 10 shows so they at least have a, a general feeling of what's going on in absolutely Rotterdam. and people tend to go to the same place all the yeah. time so this gives the opportunity to discover other places yeah, that's correct is this the first start central this is the very first one <laughs> well it's very successful already and how many there are 10 galleries involved I think. yeah for this moment we started with 10 galleries and uh, hopefully in the future we will expand bigger and uh, get more galleries from Rotterdam included and maybe we, we even have a, a weekend you know a whole weekend like a Friday Saturday Sunday with events performances exhibitions so people can really have a whole weekend of art in Rotterdam besides the art Rotterdam week uh, in February yeah 
so that's the general idea. Okay, thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, thank you. Academy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tried to talk to Frank because he got, he got shy. He was shy. He was a bit embarrassed. Right now, now Hi. we're with Frank Tile. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hi, Austin. It's so nice uh, of you to join and us. And here we are yeah. in um, at the opening of the um, Art Central, which is called Art Central, I believe. Art Central Rotterdam. Yeah. Art Central Rotterdam. And you're one of the instigators of this. In fact, I think all the ten galleries are instigators. I think you all got together. How did it come about? Well, um, uh, to tell you the truth, I, I've, I've tried this since 2010 uh, together with another uh, uh, other galleries before to make this uh, co uh, collaboration. Uh, I'm always for collaborations. But all these gallery owners, they are too busy with uh, their own program and, and uh, some of those initiatives died as yeah, slow death. But uh, and now uh, Muriel came to me, uh, so we should really collaborate and, uh, and, and do this together. It's also been an important year for major exhibitions in state museums in the Netherlands. It has been Rembrandt's 350th anniversary, so there have been a lot of Golden Age celebrations. But there have also been a lot of big exhibitions highlighting more modern art. Zoe Baus was at one of them. I have with me today Wendy Fossen, art historian, and she's here to talk to us uh, on Arts Talk Radio today about the Monet exhibition, which is currently on show in the new Kunst museum, uh, formerly the Gemeente Museum. Wendy, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Zoe. Now, uh, Wendy, I re recently visited the exhibition myself, and the focus is largely Monet's water lilies, which he painted in the latter part of his life. Exactly. And indeed, he, he spent, is it, was it 20 or 30 years on this uh, rather special subject? A very, very long time indeed. And in, indeed, his final years, he dedicated to these uh, water lilies. So, um, yeah, it's quite an impressive oeuvre that you see presented there. Absolutely. Now, just you were explaining to me a little bit about his vision uh, what he was working towards when he began this long-term project. Could you could you explain that? Because I thought it was fascinating. Um, he basically started working on the water lilies, solely on the water lilies, around 1914, and that also was caused by a number of personal events that took place. Um, his second wife had died, uh, his eldest son had died, his daughter-in-law, uh, who happened to be also his stepdaughter, Blanche Hoche, uh, de Monet, uh, she moved back into uh, um, the house with him um, and he had been working on the water lilies for a while already experimenting with um, colour, with size the, the format of the painting could either be squares or medallions as you will see on the exhibition as well and then he is around, he's 74 at the time and um, Blanche kind of kicks him in the butt and says okay dad you have to do something and not you know just sit there and do nothing because he'd always been this great innovator. There is never a problem finding books in English in Holland. Every bookshop will have a large section of English language books and you can often find them in charity shops. There are several small English bookshops and of course there is the large Waterstones in Amsterdam. In the summer, we had an exclusive interview with Nikki French, whose crime novels are as popular in the Netherlands as they are in the UK. We met up for a chat after a hectic hour spent signing books at the Pagman Bookshop in Delft. Now, in spite of your longevity, because you've been writing books now for 
20 years or more, more, I think there are probably still people who don't know that Nicky French is, in fact, two people. That's true. It's true. It's true. And one of them is uh, Nicky Gerard. Hello. And the other is Sean French. Hello. And you're the sort of... um, Lennon McCartney of, of so modern who, fiction. So who am I? Am I Lennon or McCartney? Yeah, I would say that's quite a good image because I think the point, you know, the, the point. I'm a bit of a Beatles obsessive. So there are about two people who, alone, they would, have, you know, they would would have been diminished. And there's something about when they got together, they achieved something they would never have done on their own. And the, I think you know we've been doing it for a long time. What's so strange to us, but also satisfying, is I think writing as this strange joint person, Nicky French, I think it does allow us to write in a way that's separate from our own identity. Because it's quite quite normal for, for songwriters to uh, write in pairs, and it's very uh, common, usually even for uh, comedy writers, to write in pairs, but for fiction it's not so common. Do you know of any others? We know We know of other people who write together. I don't think that we know of anyone who writes, who, who has no kind of boundaries between them, who write into a single voice, um, which is what we try and do. You know, so it's not that Sean writes the bits that are kind of male and I write the bits that are female or that we kind of share out research. We do everything together. And then when we write, we're trying to write into this third voice that we've created between us, the voice of Nicky French. So what, what actually is the process? Do you actually sit down together at the computer and work it no, out? No, never. So, so in that way, we're very different from songwriters or kind of comedy writers. So what we do is we spend weeks and months working out what the why you know what the heart of the book is what the plot of the book is what the characters are just the whole when we and when we've when we've planned out the book and we know we've got the same book in each other's head um then we start writing and we never write together it simply wouldn't work so one of us and we don't decide in advance one of us will write say the first chapter and then they will email it to the other who is free to add to it, to edit it, to correct it, to erase it, to kind of make it more Nicky French, as it were, and then they will write, say, the next chapter. So we pass the book between us like that. Arts Talk Radio Online. We at Arts Talk like to embrace all aspects of the arts and have included several pieces on circus, which is becoming increasingly popular with young people. There are dozens of circus schools around and there's been a growth in small troops. One of the major international circuses was in The Hague in November. I'm at the Cirque du Soleil in The Hague, where the dress rehearsal for Totem is about to get underway. But just before it does, I've come backstage to have a talk with some of the performers. My name is Saad And My name is Guillaume Cochois. And you're trapezists. Trapezist, is that the correct word? Trapeze artist. (laughs) And what nationality are you? I'm from Canada. And I'm from France. So, tell me a little bit about how you um, started in trapeze. Uh, Like I say, in the old days in the circuses, there used to be circus families, and an act used to be handed down and handed down. And now there are circus schools all over the world. So how did you get started? In circus school, actually. So I had a friend that was going in Montreal. That's where I'm from. 
and he invited me to come and I just fell in love with circus. So I started when I was 15 years old and I started trapeze actually at 17. So when I started, I was doing a little bit of everything and then I saw a duo trapeze that really inspired me, which is actually the original duo on this show. And um, I wanted to do the same. So that's when I picked up duo trapeze. And when did you start? I started when I was six or seven. Uh, because I had a stutter, so my parents put me in circus school to like push me to express myself to pass and over. Trapeze is a, a good treatment for stuttering. <laughs> 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 I guess it worked, yeah. I don't think many people would try it. Yeah. <laughs> no. Not recommended, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I, so I did circus pretty much all my childhood, and when I was 19, I auditioned to the National Circus School in Montreal, and this is where I met Sarah, and the school took us, took the both of us to work together. Then. And you've been together ever since. Yeah. Well, that was a fairly comprehensive roundup of 2019. All the complete programmes can be accessed from the Arts Talk magazine website or at SoundCloud at Arts Talk Holland. If you want to hear more programmes as and when they happen, please subscribe to Arts Talk Radio and Arts Talk magazine. We'll end with music from one of Delft's leading jazz musicians, guitarist Erwin Byersbergen. Here he is with his trio playing I'll Remember You.